a god without an altar and the devil has never used the man without an altar it's an invisible entry point that connects the world of men to the world of spirit Dr. Francis Miles is a minister, conference speaker, and a prolific author of several best-selling Christian spiritual books. The senior pastor of Royal Priesthood International Church in Tempe, Arizona, and an astute businessman, Dr. Francis Miles holds a doctorate in theology and biblical studies from Grace Bible College and Seminary and a doctorate of divinity from Hope Consortium of colleges based in Illinois, USA. He is the founder of the Order of Melchizedek Leadership Institute and Seminary, an online school of ministry, a kingdom enigma, endowed with a profound and unique understanding, insight, and revelation into the supernatural activities and operations of heaven. He is happily married to his soulmate, Carmela Real Miles, and they both reside in the Phoenix Metroplex in Arizona, USA. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for an unusual supernatural encounter and divine downloads as we welcome for the first time in ICGC Open Heavens Temple, the senior pastor of Royal Priesthood International Church, Dr. Francis Miles. We are glad to host you, sir. Amen. Father, we thank you. We give you the praise. And we come before you. Today, God, we approach you not just as Father. Tonight, we are approaching you as judge. Because we are believing God, you will make judgments that must be made. On behalf of that, of that which has, on behalf of, of your sons and daughters who have caught to destiny, but there's been many hindrances. That many of them are faster, they are prayed. And yet that mountain continues to smile back at them as though you are not a God who answers prayer, but you do. Let the mystery of, what's, of the unanswered prayer be revealed. And let the seal be broken. Open the eyes of the understanding of your people that they may understand the mystery of this revelation. That you can begin to operate in it and begin to see breakthrough like never before. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. To God be the glory. And God's people said amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. Now I want everybody to keep standing. God. I, it's my tradition whenever I read the first scripture that we do it together while standing to honor the word of God. Amen. If the president of Ghana walked in here, Portugal demand that he stands up because, of the, because we honor the office. Amen. The American president is, is, is due protocol. But I mean, you know, there is no, uh, no office higher than the office of the word. So now I, I want to apologize to the media team. I did not email you the, I should have, I was thinking about, I should have emailed you the scriptures ahead of time, but I, I know you can follow. Uh, it's Luke 11, verse 1 to 4, New King James, and I'm going to use the Amplified as well, so I'll be telling when I go to the Amplified, but we're going to, for the most part, it's New King James. So if you could bring up on the screen, if you, are, if you can, Luke 11, verse 1 to 4, and I'm going to ask all of us to read it together, and then we can take our seats after the reading of God's Word. Amen? My teaching tonight is... Operating in the courts of heaven, issuing divine restraining orders. Say with me, operating in the courts of heaven, issuing divine restraining orders. So I'm essentially marrying two messages together, amen, and so that's what I'm doing, amen. Operating in the courts of heaven would be a message by itself, so it's issuing divine restraining orders, but I'm putting them together and the Lord is going to help us. 
And at the end of the day, we're going to go in the court of heaven and actually activate the revelation and begin to see breakthrough in your life. I believe you're not here by accident. I believe you are here because God knows what I'm about to say is a mystery to what, to what you have been facing. And so I want us to read as loudly as you can, Luke 11, verse 1 to 4, at the count of three. Amen? Luke 11, verse 1 to 4, using the New King James. Uh, 1, 2, 3, read. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he says that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Verse 12, so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Somebody say amen. amen. So may you take your seat and may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Come on somebody, amen. amen. Whenever I teach on the court of heaven, the Lord always reminds me to take my gavel with me. Come on somebody. Amen. So right now in the name of Jesus, amen. When I, when I, when I, when I hit the gavel on the pulpit, I want you to give God a shout. Uh, amen. Come on somebody. Father, right now we declare that right now from this moment to the time I'm finished, the court of heaven is now in session. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Court is in session. Amen. We put the devil and his mother-in-law, they are both in court right now. Amen. Everything that happens now is part of the court proceedings. It's part of the, of the, of the records of the court of heaven. Are you catching what I'm saying? Why? Because then in your prayers you can reference this service Come on, somebody, because it's part of your court proceedings for the breakthrough God is about to give you. Talk to me, somebody. Amen. Amen. So I want you to, now, um, in order for you to understand uh, how to operate in the courts of heaven, before we even be talk, begin to talk about issuing divine restraining orders, we, you need to understand where they come from. Because restraining orders are a tool of the court. Even in the natural judiciary, the straining orders are a tool of the core, of the judiciary. You know, and, uh, and uh, therefore, understanding the, the, court, the court of heaven, the court of heaven, understanding that heaven has a court system, is important to be able to understand the second phase of our message. So I'll begin with laying a foundation for how to, for how to operate, for operating in the courts of heaven. Now, in order for you to fully appreciate the code of heaven, I want you to think of this way, okay? I want you to, under, I, I want you to think of, of the code of heaven as another dimension of prayer, another realm of prayer. But what, what makes it different in the code of heaven is the disposition and the approach you take in that dimension of prayer. You see, because it's, it's a dimension, it's a whole different way of praying. And it is governed by different protocols. And if you violate the protocols, you violate, the, you violate the ability for God to give you answers in that realm. And so I, uh, the, the Bible actually tells us that it's possible to pray, but prayer miss. Is that right? The Bible says you prayed. And many Africans, we are, we are a continent of prayer. But let's be honest. Some of our praying, if they can be connected, some of our praying, I mean, I mean in Africa, we can pray for 40, I mean, fast for 40 days and then when it's over, the only breakthrough you get is $100. We are people of prayer. Something is missing. 
And I can tell you that one of the, I believe when Africa understands the code of heaven, the devil is really in trouble. Because I believe that all those hours and months of prayer are going to find, I've not, I mean, God never ignores prayer. But I tell you, when you understand, when you, when you, deal, with, when you deal with what God wants, to, wants dealt with, all of a sudden you get a blast from the past of prayers you prayed that God cannot answer because there was something missing. They were reserved for you. But now they're about to hit you like a tornado. They're about to hit you like torrential rains. Things you prayed for that are now about to hit you. Talk to me somebody, amen? I prophesy to you that you're about to enter a season of breakthrough and breakthrough and breakthrough. And you're going to be able to say, my God, this is what I prayed for five years ago. Now it's happening. This is what I prayed for ten years ago. Now it's happening. This is what I prayed for last year. Why, why are they coming together? Well, because a mystery has been revealed. Talk to me, somebody. Now God is able to do what he, can, what he has always wanted to do for you without violating his word and protocols. So I, I'm going to take you through three. three uh, Jesus is asked by a disciple. I'm thankful. I don't know which disciple this is. Could have been Peter. Could have been anybody. But it doesn't matter. I'm just happy that a disciple asks a fundamental question to faith. Jesus teaches how to pray. Now I must understand the disciples of Jesus were Orthodox Jews. In other words, prayer was not, uh, the realm of prayer was not foreign to them. But they realized that how Jesus prayed was different from the way they prayed by the level of answers he got. So they realized we are praying, he's praying, but when he prays, things happen. When we pray, talk to me, we hear crickets. We hear crickets, but when he prays, within the, uh, we, when he prays, it's miracles after miracles. There seems to be no end to what he can do in prayer. So they realized our technology of praying is not working. So they went to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray, how to pray as John taught also his disciples. I'm glad, but I'm glad by the premise of the question because it forever lets us understand that prayer can be taught. Talk to me, somebody. That gives hope to anybody who doesn't know how to pray. When I came in the kingdom, I couldn't pray for more than 15 minutes. And until I made an apostle of prayer who became my pastor, my God, this guy would pray for 12 hours nonstop. I mean, I'm like, is that's not normal? And, and he would say to me, no, come and pray. He would take me every weekend uh, in the mountains and you pray. And he told me, Francis, sometimes prayer is better caught than taught. And he would tell me, pray with me. And I'll pray for him for 30 minutes and I begin to run out of words. And then he says to me, just sleep, sleep around me. And soon enough, before I knew it, I, I went an hour. Before I knew it, I went two hours. Before I knew it, five hours. Then one day we went 12 on 12. Talk to me, somebody. Prayer can be taught. So Jesus, but how Jesus teaches prayer is very different from how we teach it. Okay? Rather than focusing on what, we, on what to say, Jesus places prayer in dimension. In dimensions. And then... And then gives you the disposition for those dimensions. So the dimension and the disposition is more important to Jesus than the content. So he changes that. He said prayer is about disposition. So he begins to teach prayer. Remember, the question is, Lord, teach us how to pray. So from verse 2, we don't hear the disciple because the Lord begins to answer. In most Bibles, the ways that follow are in red to signify that Jesus is still talking. And you notice there's no break because the Lord is answering the question the disciple asked. 
Lord, teach us how to pray. So verse 2, he says, so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven. So, in, so Jesus, Jesus opens up the first realm of prayer. And in the first realm of prayer, write down the disposition. In the first dimension of prayer, Jesus encourages us to approach God as Father. Write it down. The, the first dimension of prayer, we approach God as what? Father. Now this is important. And then after that, he begins to tell us what's available to us when we take that disposition in that dimension. What we can access from that disposition in that dimension of prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So it is in this dimension of prayer that we can bring the kingdom into our lives. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's in, the, it's in approaching God as Father that the will of God is, made, is revealed to us. It's in that dimension when we approach him as Father that he begins to show us his will for our lives. Because how many know nobody knows, the will, nobody knows what he has called you to do like your heavenly Father. Jesus came on the earth to do the will of the heavenly Father. So when it comes to doing the will of God, the custodian of the will of God is the heavenly Father himself. So he so said, your will be done on earth as it is what? In heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. So we find that in this, this is the dimension where we can approach God for our own needs. This is important. This, this is a dimension where we can approach God for our daily bread. This is, the, this is a realm we deal with Matthew 6 where Jesus talk, talks about do not worry what you, shall be, what you shall wear, what you shall eat, what you shall drink. He's talking about this dimension. It's a reference to this dimension because when it goes further in the text, it says because your heavenly Father already knows that you have need of these things. So it's in the, in, it's in the first dimension of prayer where I approach God as Father that I deal with my needs. Notice what is missing in this dimension of prayer. In this dimension of prayer, in this dimension of prayer, we are never asked for pray, to pray for anybody else. This dimension of prayer is personal to you. It's in this dimension of prayer that you get to know God as your Father. Now that's important because if you don't know God as your Father, it bleeds into your theology everywhere else. Are you catching what I'm saying? You see, a lot of believers, a lot of believers, they don't have an accurate revelation of, the, of, of God as Father. That's why every time they make a mistake, talk to me somebody, when they have to return back to God, they approach him like the prodigal son. The prodigal son thought sonship was negotiable because he did not have a proper understanding of the Father. He thought his connection with the Father was conditional. Are you catching what I'm saying? So when he, he realizes I messed up, you know, but in my father's house, even the servants have a better deal than what I'm living with. I will go back to my father's house, right? I will go back to my father's house, and I'm going to tell my father, I have sinned against you, and I've sinned against heaven. Is that right? But just make me one of your servants. Okay? He thought that was a good deal. But the father knew that's not a good deal. Because I have a lot of servants. If I wanted more, I can employ many, but I don't have sons. So as soon as the father saw him, the father ran to him, did not even wait. Jesus was giving us a portrait of the father. It's important, brethren, for us to understand our father. Talk to me, somebody. It is important for us to understand. Otherwise, issues of daily bread will always be an issue. Many of you have got many issues of daily bread. You can't even get to destiny because you are always interrupted by issues of daily bread. 
See, destiny is not dealing with issues of dirty bread. Destiny is when you join your father in his business. Many of you are not even in destiny. You are just in needs. We can't even get you to destiny because every, your whole life is defined by, by, by paying the light bill. Then you pay this and then you hope, you hope there's something left over. Talk to me, sir. By the time it's over, you are back on the treadmill of paying bills. You can't get into destiny. And a lot of that is because you don't have an accurate revelation of your father. So that issue can be put to rest so you can move with him into the father, what Jesus called the father's business. Okay? So in the first realm, Jesus is teaching us how to approach God as Father. He te- one of the things he tells us about this realm of prayer is a dimension of prayer. Now, by the way, these dimensions of prayer, there's not one that's more important than the other. They are just different. Someone said different. Okay? They are what? what? Different. Is that right? So they are different, they are different dimensions designed to address different things in your life. In the first room, God wants you to know him. Okay? He wants, to know him. he wants you to know him affectionately as your father. As much as you honor your natural father, uh, God, God, would we, God would wish it so that you knew your heavenly father better. Talk to me, somebody. Amen? No matter how much your, heaven, your earthly father loves you, he can't even come close to what your heavenly father can do for you. And that's why it's important for you to know your heavenly father. Amen? So in the first realm, that's where it starts. He says, because if you don't understand this realm, every other realm of prayer, your, your arrival in that, your, your disposition is not going to be right when you enter in those other realms if you are, are doubtful about this initial disposition. Are you catching what I'm saying? So understand that you have a father in heaven. He's not on earth. He's in heaven. He's your provider. He's your sustainer. He's your foundation. Talk to me, somebody. He's your protector. Amen? He lets us know. When he's, then he says, and then uh, the only danger, the only thing that can lock you up, the only thing that can interrupt what the Father has for you in this realm is uh, Jesus, does, Jesus shows us one of the things that can really get in the way of God doing what his promise should happen for you in this realm is living in unforgiveness. So right in the middle, he says, he, he has an interesting experience. He says, a Lord, forgive us. He, he, he makes what this. He says this, and forgive our sins, for we, for we also forgive everyone indebted to us. There is an understanding that is a reciprocal thing in there. Talk to me somebody, amen? Are you catching what I'm saying? Because if we do not, if we live in unforgiveness, we bind and we tie the heart of the Father from doing for us what he desires to do for us in that realm. Talk to me, somebody. So Jesus addresses the only danger to that realm is you gotta walk. You cannot walk in and you cannot what? You cannot walk in unforgiveness. When I began to understand this realm and that aspect, I don't care what you do to me. I am one person. You cannot keep in unforgiveness if you try. Why? Because I've come to the place where by my destiny is so important. No, nothing people do ever comes close. So I forgive quickly and easily and I move on because I don't want anybody to lock down this dimension for me. Amen? Amen. But Jesus does not end there. He continues to teach prayer. Are you with me, somebody? Remember what, what he was asked. Teach us how to what? Pray. To pray. Well, look at, uh, look at Luke chapter 11. Look at Luke chapter 11 and verse 5. Look at v- verse 11 and what? Verse 5. And he said to them, notice there is no break. 
There is no break in between. That means that Jesus is still responding to the question. So everything he's talking about is the answer the Lord teaches how to pray. But what you notice that in, when he gets to verse 5, Jesus changes the terminology. He changes the disposition. He goes from father to friend. See the change in tone? He says there's another dimension where you don't approach him as father. There is a dimension where he responds to you as friend. So he changes the, he changes the tone of prayer. He says, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? Notice now, which of you shall have a friend? So father, the word father disappears. It's now replaced by the word friend. What realm is this? I'll tell you what it is. Okay? And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight. Now how many know you don't visit your, even your best friends, you don't visit them at midnight to have coffee. I mean, I, 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 Dr. Eric loves me, but if I went to his house at midnight and he says, why are you here in these pajamas? At midnight, most people are in their pajamas. They, I mean, I mean if, if you hear a knock at your door at midnight, it's either the police. Come on, somebody. And that's not ever, come on, somebody. And that's never good when the police knock at midnight. All right? But if it's somebody, initially your human response is going to be something is wrong. There must be a funeral. There must, in, in other words, that intuitively, you are expecting an emergency. Because, you know, normal people, even your friends, don't visit at midnight to have coffee. If they did, you might need to, re, you might, you, you might need to rethink some friendships. Come on, somebody. No, I was just in the area, you know, and I just thought that maybe we can just prof. Ah, midnight. Yeah, I was just in the area. I got you what I'm saying. So midnight, midnight is a suggestion that whatever has caused, uh, whatever is happening here is of a nature, is a, there's a crisis involved in the story, okay? He says, he comes to him at midnight and said to him, friend, lend me three loves. Notice, friend, lend me what? Three loves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey. Notice now that in this realm, Jesus paints a picture of three friends. So there are three friends, come on somebody, who are, who are affected by this dimension. Watch this now. So what I want to do is if I can have, uh, can I have, uh, amen, can I have three brothers? Three brothers to quickly, the, the, the three ashes, just come here. Thank you, brothers. Come and stand over here, Amen. So I, I want you to, to yeah, yeah, you come over here, face this way, yeah, face this way, all right? And you stand over here, then you stand exactly like that, okay? So Jesus, you know, is painting an amazing picture. He says, he's asking the question, okay? Which of you shall have a friend, okay? Which of you shall have, have a friend who comes to you at what? At midnight, okay? Have you got what I'm saying? So this friend comes to this friend at midnight. So what defines the two is friendship. But what the friend needs, he has no capacity to provide. But it's connected, turn around, to a friend who lives in a realm where everything is possible. Are you catching what I'm saying? So now, now, this friend, he doesn't want 
Talk to me, somebody. Are you guys what I'm saying? This friend is in trouble. Notice that this friend who is in the middle has no need of their own. They have been placed in the middle of two friendships because of the trouble of one and the resources of the other. I hope I, you, you, you're getting with me. Are you catching what I'm saying? If you're an intercessor, I want you to listen to me. Because much of what we call African intercession, we pray long hours, get little results because we miss the model. Are you catching what I'm saying? I'm about to get to it. So Jesus paints this picture. Do you see the picture now? Which of you shall have what? Now guys, just sit over there. Let me show you. Which of you shall have a friend? Put it up on the board. Which of you shall have a friend? Okay, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight? Okay, and said to him, friend, lend me three loves. Why? For a friend of mine. For a friend what? Of mine has come to me on his journey. Talk to me somebody. How many of every human being on earth is on a journey of destiny? Talk to me somebody. They are on a journey of destiny. And their demands of their destiny, talk to me somebody, uh, many of their, dem their demands of their destiny, all the problems that they face are beyond your realm as man to meet. But, there is a but if you have a friend who lives in a realm where of possibilities, talk to me somebody. Are you catching what I'm saying? Are you with me somebody? I, I want to show you, let me finish this thing because this is real powerful. Then we, because we are going somewhere with this. This is important. Watch this. It says, and, uh, and watch this, and has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Verse 7, and you answer from within and say, do not trouble me. He will answer from within. He what? Answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now what? Shut. Is that right? The door is what? So this is a realm where doors that have been shut can be opened. <laughs> Are you getting how the Lord puts the prayer? Are you catching what I'm saying? This is a realm where doors that have been shut get opened. Okay? The door has been shut. What, notice that the friend he's talking to does not deny that he, that he owns all possibilities. The only thing he's saying He's saying there is a door between you and my resources. There is an invisible gate between your resources, between my resources and your world. Are you catching what I'm saying? The door is now being what? Shut. And my children are with me in bed. And the children are his resources. My children are in bed with me. I have the resource. My children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give to you. Now look at Jesus. Watch this. I cannot rise and give to you. Verse, verse 8. I said to you, though he would not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. As many as he needs. Is that right? Okay, so, so what realm is this? This is a realm Africa has mastered. This is a realm of intercession. It is not intercession if you are praying for yourself. If you are praying for your needs, that's not intercession. You are in the realm of Father. Wow. 
I'm interceding, but you're only praying for you. That's not interceding. Intercession requires, this is the picture Jesus draws. Watch this now. In intercession, the one standing in the middle, talk to me somebody, come on, cannot approach God for his needs. Because the essence of that realm, talk to me somebody, now watch this now. You know, we think, notice what is missing in this realm, man of God. What is missing in this realm, what is missing in this realm is, watch this now, Watch what it says. What is missing in this realm is the length of prayers. It's missing in the realm. Doesn't mean you cannot pray long. What he's saying is this. He says the reason why you're not getting a lot of things happening when you intercede for people is because even though you take a lot of time praying for them, this realm and the door, the invisible door between the resources you need to give to the people you are praying for, the reason why it's remained shut is because number one for this realm, the, the, watch this, this realm, as this realm, this realm, this invisible realm is, you know there are some doors that have got a combination lock. Are you guys what I'm saying? This door is a combination lock. There are two things, there are two keys that open this realm so your friends can go home in their midnight hour with a miracle at deliverance. Okay? And these two things is this. Number one, in this realm, in this one, the first currency of this realm is friendship with God. So we have a lot of people who are praying for us. They are mean well, but their friendship with God has not yet been registered in the spirit. Because in order... This is the realm Abram was in when God was going to Sodom. God says, can I go to Sodom without talking to Abram, my friend? Abram was leveraging his friendship with God to intercede for Sodom's recovery. What about if you find 50 people? Look at that realm. And God said, if because you are my friend and you have asked for 50, if there's 50 people, the whole city will remain. And when God moves, he says, oh, stop. I'm sorry. Please forgive. What about 40? Notice what was governing God's response. Whatever God was going to do was based upon what his friend wanted. Talk to me, somebody. And the second key is persistence. Talk to me, somebody. Amen? This is the realm of what? Intercession. Are you guys what I'm saying? Why, why is this important? Because a lot of our prayers can be answered in the first realm. Uh, a lot of our prayers can be answered in the second realm. Come on, somebody, borrowing men and women of God who have a real friendship with God and asking them to pray. To, particularly if you are dealing with a door that has been closed that you want open. This is a realm you deal with it. But what happens if you have, you've, what happens if you have approached God as father, you have approached God as friend, asked the best intercessors, to, well, come on, somebody, and they have been praying for you, and something is still not breaking. Is there another realm we can go to. Guys, you can go. This is where the court of heaven comes into place. So the final realm of prayer is in Luke 18. Let's go to Luke 18. Please go to Luke 18. And we're going to activate this realm. It's a very powerful realm. Hallelujah. Are you with me so far? Is this helping you, anybody? Can you hear me? Luke 18, Jesus, again, is dealing with the issue of prayer. But this time, Bishop, this time, he changes the context. See, to Jesus, context determines the, the content. When I'm approaching God as father, I speak to him differently. When I'm approaching God as friend, I speak to him differently because I'm not coming for my needs. I'm leveraging what, how he knows me, who I am to him for somebody else. But there's another realm. 
this realm, Jesus completely changes where the prayer happens. He says this in Luke 18. Go work with me. Luke 18. Luke 18. Then he spoke a parable to them. That men ought always to pray. Say with me. Men ought always to pray. That statement is Jesus endorsing prayer everywhere at all times. And no matter, if you, even if you're frustrated, the truth of the matter is prayer works. So some of you have been praying for things that have not happened. I can tell you the reason I'm here is because God is answering your prayers. Talk to me, somebody. Amen? Because I may just provide the final touch. Talk to me, somebody. The final push to what you have been believing God for, and then you will be walking in a cascading dimension of miracles, signs and wonders happening for you. How do I know this, Dr. Mouse? Because when you have a ministry that is on television speaking to millions of people around the world, I can tell you we get thousands of emails from people who are getting miracles from around the world. Some told me I've been praying for this for 30 years. I heard you once. I saw heard you once. And I did what you said. And my God. And then, they began, then, they began, then the rest is nothing but testimonies. It comes from India. It comes from China. It comes from whatever. That is the nature of being international. Is you say that the revelation is applicable in trans transcontinental. So I'm telling you, talk to me somebody. God is going to move mightily right here in Ghana for you. Amen. Amen. So let's look at this dimension of prayer. Then he spoke a parable to them. That men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now notice that in this realm of prayer, Jesus adds an emotional index to the, an emotional index that, was, that he never talks about in the first two realms. When you approach God as father, he never brings up the issue of lose heart. When you approach God as friend, he never brings the emotional condition of lose heart. Why is there lose heart in this realm? Because this is a realm of mountains that have refused to move. Despite your best efforts, despite your, lo your loving God, despite your giving, despite your offer. Come on, am I, talking to, am I talking to myself? Has anybody been in this realm? Or was I the only one? Talk to me, somebody. Where you know, come on, somebody. You look at your life, you are living. The best way you know, you are living for the Lord. Talk to me, somebody. Are you catching what I'm saying? Amen. They talk about fasting. You are in the school of fasting. They talk about prayer. You are in the school of prayer. They talk about the school of giving. You are in the school of giving. And yet there is a mountain that still stares you like nothing you did matters. What realm is that? The realm where you begin to lose heart. Where you begin to say, I think maybe this thing will never move. Maybe I'm supposed to live with it. Are you catching what I'm saying? So this is Jesus saying, uh -uh, don't lose heart. Why? Because there is a final realm of appeal. There is a final realm. Talk to me somebody. Amen? Are you catching what I'm saying? Hallelujah. My God. People ask me, the demands you teach on the court of heaven, you've written best-selling books on the court of heaven. Do you, do you always pray in the court of heaven? And I said, no. I said, I only go, go into the court of heaven when the other two realms have not produced the answer I'm looking for. Talk to me, somebody. Because I may know if your father was a judge. Talk to me, somebody. If your father was a judge, as much as he loves you, he doesn't want to see you in the courtroom every day. You'll be like, ah, what kind of child? You know what I'm saying? Some of the things you're bringing. Because, you know, your father comes before, uh, you, know, you know how it is in, in all courtrooms. All rise, honorable, doc, honorable judge, whatever, is seated, and you sit, and, and you're right there in front. 
Are you guys around your father? Say, okay. But if he sees you every day, talk to me somebody. Particularly if you talk to him in court, what you could tell him at home. As a father. Are you guys what I'm saying? So my point is, I don't always do court of heaven. Actually, I spend more time approaching God as father and praying for nations and my friends. Talk to me. I'm an intercessor. I really love to pray for people. Because I know how to leverage. I've, come on, somebody. Amen? amen. So, but there is a realm I go to. Oh, it's a powerful realm. And I'm telling you, I have seen miracles. I'll give you a couple of examples. How to pray. Just a couple of testimonies. Because I, I believe God's about to do it right here in Ghana at open heavens. Amen. I'm telling you, even by tomorrow, some of you will be getting phone calls you have been looking for for a long time. Amen. Some of you will be getting visas that have been denied. I'm talking to you. I know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. I've had people done everything. Get businessmen. Bank said, bank said, no. Every bank says no. Take them in the court of heaven, go back. The same bank says yes. How do you explain that? Within 24 hours. How do you explain that? The only thing that's different is that I took them in the court of heaven. And they, very, and they went to the same bank that gave, said, no, we can't find your company. The very following day, it's like they, they never even saw the man before. Ah, how much do you need? But I've been here before. Ah, yeah, things have changed. Eh? <laughs> Amen. Okay, let's go with. Let's look at it. So Jesus now says to text, create the context. Notice, notice, Doctor Eric. Jesus first creates the place, and then he gives you what to say in the place. You see, God always creates place. He created Eden before he made man. Place to God is more important than, because, tell me somebody, place is first. I, I, I'm about to depart, and many of you are sad, but I go to prepare you a place, so that where I am, so shall you be. In other words, it's no, it's no point, talk to me somebody, how many know? If you have got a lawsuit, is that right? Before the judge, and the court is in session to hear your case, but you choose because you are so spiritual to come to open heavens and pray through the time you're caught. I mean, no, that is foolishness. Because even though your, your, your pastor might say, yeah, you are really a prayer, but if your pastor even knew that you should be in court, you'd say, what are you doing here? What are you doing, brother? No, my, you know, it's my court. I, I just felt in the, I felt the anointing come on me. He says, talk to me, somebody. Sometimes it's not the anointing. It's, a, it's the devil. Because Satan understands the power of places. Have, be in the place because the place determines the context of what you say in the place. So Jesus first creates the place, then tells us what happens in that place. So he says this, and he says this, check this out. Verse 2, saying, now he's saying, there was in a certain city a judge. Now how many know when you hear the word judge, you don't see a pastor? Come on. When you hear a judge, you don't see a bishop. In other words, if we, if we prayed a word game and I said, I'll give you a word, give me the picture that comes in your head. And I said, Pastor, you see church, is it right? If I said, come on somebody, if I say, Doctor, you say hospital, is it right? If I say judge, what are you going to say? So Jesus understands the power of words that, words that, words that release certain pictures. There was, a, there was a woman, is that right? There was what? A widow. In a certain, there was a, there was in a certain city, a judge, watch this now, who did not fear God, 
na regard man. Interesting that the Lord who choose a judge who didn't care about God to use his example. To show us the power of the judiciary. This man did not fear God or did not what? Fear God or regard man. In other words, the man was either an agnostic or an atheist. Okay, he didn't go to church, didn't care about pastors, didn't care about the people of God. Watch this now. And that's the one Jesus uses us to teach us how to operate in the courts of heaven. He says this. Now there was a widow in the same city. In that what? City. Okay? So it's very obvious from the story that the judge was a city judge. He, was the, he had jurisdiction over the city. His court was over the city. Are you catch what I'm saying? So watch, watch this now. But there was a widow that was within his jurisdiction. And she came to him saying, get justice from me, from my adversary. Okay? Get what? Justice. What is he looking for? Get justice from me, from my what? Adversary. The Amplified says, get justice from me and legal protection for me, from my adversary. From my what? Adversary. That word adversary comes from the Greek word antedekos. Everybody say antedekos. Say antedekos. Ante is the, the Greek for against, where we get anti-corruption. Is that right? Ante it comes from the Greek. Ante is against. Dekos is the Greek for rights. Legal rights. So an anti-decos is somebody who assails your legal rights as a citizen. So the woman says, my legal rights, what's constitutionally mine? How many know my mentor and my friend, Dr. Mausman, or, I mean, changed my life when he said this. He said the problem with a lot of Christians is they look at the Bible as a religious book. The Bible is not a religious book. It's the constitution of a kingdom. It is the constitution of a government that changes everything. The, if, if the Bible is the constitution of a government or a kingdom, then Jesus is not just a savior, he's the head of state. And if Jesus is the head of state, he can't have a government lower than Ghana. Ghana knows you cannot have government without judiciary or you have anarchy in the nation. Because in Ghana, if a Ghanaian citizen's rights have been violated, where does the Ghanaian go to have our rights restored as a Ghanaian if there is no judiciary? Oh, come on, somebody. So Jesus says, listen, I'm not, right. I'm not just running a revival. I'm the head of state. That's the message the Magi came to tell you. I'm not just a Messiah. I'm a head of state. And I'm telling you, my state has a judiciary. Where your rights that I've given to you, that have been violated by an adversary, can be restored for your deliverance and legal protection. Are you with me, somebody? So the woman goes to the judge. Are you with me? Are you with me so far? Get justice from me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, check this out. Though I do not fear God, nor regard man. Is that amazing? That Jesus is letting us know that, this, that the fact that the judge was an atheist had no bearing on his judicial power. Come on, somebody. The Lord is letting us know. The fact that he feared not God. The fact that he cared, did not care about man. He was corrupt. That means he judged, uh, he gave you judgment based by the power of the CD, the Ghanaian CD or the US dollar. You know, what it means he was a corrupt judge. 
He didn't care about your case file and what, whether you are guilty or not. He wanted to see another passport. Talk to me, somebody. Amen. This is the kind of judge he was. But this woman, watch this now. He starts to speak. He said, though I do not care, I don't regard man. I don't care about man or God. In other words, the judgment I'm about to give her has nothing to do with the fear of the Lord. And that's the story the Lord is using to teach us the courts of heaven. He says this. Watch this. Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wears me out. In other words, he says this woman's nuisance value has risen tremendously. If I do not give her justice, which means all the while he was trying to ignore her, hoping she might corrupt him, had enough money to bribe him on the side. That's why they, he was holding out. You know, corrupt people, they hold out, try to see if you can get the message that you are missing another passport. Help me, somebody. Are you guys what I'm saying? Amen. Sometimes the, some corrupt judges or politicians, you know, they even, they even train their staff on the, on the, the staff. Maybe one of their, maybe one of, maybe the, maybe one day the, 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 one, the, the belly for the, the, the clerk followed you on the parking lot. Ah, you see, your case is not difficult, huh? but you are missing something. What do you mean? Ah, you are missing something. Are you getting what I'm saying? He was a corrupt judge, but her persistence, she had no money, but she kept coming. So the judge says, okay, you know what? I know it's within my power to arrest her adversary. So a nuisance value has risen to such a point, for my own peace of mind, I'm going to use the power of my office. I'm going to use the power of my office. <laughs> and I'm going to give this woman justice and legal protection from her adversary so she can leave me alone. The judge, though, in the story, never once doubts his ability to give a protection. He knew it was within his, his judicial seat to give verdicts of release, issue warrants, issue, I mean, orders of the court. It was within his power. So watch what, how this story continues. And then the Lord says this, verse 6. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And then he turns it. Because this is what he's been trying to teach. Prayer in another dimension. Where God is not your father. God is not your friend. This time he becomes your judge. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night. Notice cry out day and night. Which means he's been watching you Pray to him as father, no breakthrough. You go to intercessors, you join the prayer teams praying for you. He's been noticing all the prayer meetings. How that's why he's referencing your history of praying day and night in all the other realms, only to find the door is not moving. Shall not God. Oh God, avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night, though he bears long with them. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Ever say, avenge them speedily. This is interesting. He will avenge them what? Speedily. Meaning, what he's saying is, when they enter this final realm of appeal, <laughs> when they learn to approach God as judge, 
All those unanswered prayers will be answered speedily. All those, oh, Dr. Eric, those are the kind of testimonies my office is flooded with now. Talk to me, somebody. And it's not because I'm more anointed than the people who prayed them before. It's because, talk to me, somebody, the reason their prayers were not answered before even when anointed men of God prayed for them is because Satan had legal rights to resist them that were never addressed. Oh. Are you catching what I'm saying? Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. Are you with me? Well, let me show you one more. Th- let me give you two more scriptures, and then we're going we're gonna to go in the court of heaven. I'm feeling the anointing right now. Are you, are, are you, are you with me so far? Yeah. Talk to me, somebody. Okay. Let me show you more, more scriptures on the court. Now, now let's, build, let's build this on the court of heaven. Please turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 9. Daniel, chapter 7, uh, New King James. Daniel, Daniel, chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. Okay. Let's begin to see now, open the, go beyond the gate, behind the veil, and begin to see that heaven really has a judiciary. It has a real court system in the realm of the spirit. And if you know what you are doing, you can get many breakthroughs for yourself and for other people in that dimension. In that dimension. Hallelujah. Praise God. Watch this now. Look at Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. I watched... I watched two thrones were put in place. I watched two thrones were what? Put in place. And the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like, his throne was like a fiery flame. Okay, what dimension is this? You're about to find out. Okay, there's a tremendous activity in this realm. Tremendous activity. There is so much angels in this realm. Watch this now. He, uh, verse, uh, uh, his throne was like a fiery frame. It's wheels of burning fire. Verse 10. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand, thousand ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Watch what happens next. The court was what? The court was what? Seated. So God opens the eyes of Daniel to understand Daniel. There is another realm of prayer you're not touching because Daniel was an intercessor. Daniel was a man of prayer. But until chapter 7, he had never entered the court of heaven. So God says, Daniel, you like to pray? You keep praying in other realms, but you have never approached me as judge. So let me open and show you what actually happens in the realm of the spirit where judgments are rendered concerning the destinies of men and the destinies of nations. If you know how to enter this realm, Daniel, you can move a whole lot of things in Babylon than you are moving now. Are you catching what I'm saying? And so Daniel's eyes are open and he sees what he's never seen before. The ancient of days is seated. Now notice that the language of this court is the language of earthly courts, meaning that God's court is not a copycat of, of the courts of men. The courts of men are a copycat of what's in heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? By faith, we understand that the world we live in was made by the word of God so that that which is seen comes out of what is not seen. So when I see a courtroom on earth, there's gonna be a courtroom in heaven. Notice that the judiciary is the only place in government, talk to me somebody, where, where uh, court, watch this, the judiciary is the only branch of government where 
court is never in session until the judge is seated. Talk to me somebody. Call me somebody. When the judge is seated, it means everything said in the court is part of God documents. The court cannot unhear it. Talk to me somebody. Are you with me? So if you come in a courtroom and the judge is not seated, actually, you can actually admit that you are guilty. It means nothing, at least in U.S. law. Why? Because before the judge is seated, nothing is, nothing is ordered to be part of the court record. But if you admit the same admission, when the court is seated, then the judge has to be able to record your acceptance of guilt. And you can run away from it. But see, the judge, the judge is seated. Now watch this. Now. The judiciary is also the only part of government where the, court, where, the, where the court and the judge are one. That's why when all lawyers are arguing cases, they'll call the judge permission to approach the court. I thought you were in the court. No. The court is a courtroom because the judge is seated. So the judge makes the court. You see, you know what, do you, if you, do you know that if a judge in Ghana or the Supreme Court of Ghana wanted to borrow, wanted to borrow this sanctuary for a proceeding of the court, they'll change your church. The moment they put those seats, it's no longer open heaven. It becomes a sitting of the Supreme Court of Ghana. It, the, and whatever verdict they render who affect Ghana, never mind that at the door, the poster is of a church. Doesn't matter. When the judges are seated, they can turn a room into a court because the judge carries the spirit of the court. Are you with me, somebody? Oh, come on, slap somebody. Some, slap somebody and tell them, neighbor, you're about to get the righteous verdict. You've been waiting on for a long time. The judge is seated. He's about to hear your case. And give you breakthrough. Give you deliverance from your adversary. Oh hallelujah. Notice now. That when the court was seated. And the court was seated. Meaning the ancient of days is the court. And when he sat the court was seated. The next thing that happens. Happens in all natural courtrooms. When the court is seated. Now every docket of books are opened. Books of accusations and books of evidence. Whatever. Books are opened. Cases cannot be heard. Dockets are opened. Are you catching what I'm saying? Are you catching what I'm saying? Can I submit to you? Talk to me somebody. One of the reasons why the devil does not want you to understand this revelation is because one of the books the devil is most afraid would be opened. When you go in the, in the court of heaven, is the book of your destiny. When that book opens, uh, come on somebody, it carries a testimony that contradicts every struggle in your life, contradicts every devil in your life. That book contradicts the poverty in your life because in your book you are rich, but in your situation you are poor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Books were open. The books were open. Now God can render judgment on your behalf. Talk to me, somebody. Not just based on the devil's accusation against you now anymore. Talk to me, somebody. He can also render a verdict based upon what is written about your book. Somebody shout. My book is open. Slap your neighbor. Two, three people say, my book is open. I'm about to get what is mine. Because my book is open. 
in the name of Jesus. Are you, are you with me, somebody? Are you with me, somebody? Turn with me very quickly. Now, this one, me, this one, I want to use the amplifier. I'm just going to read this two portions and then we're going to stand up and pray. We have enough time to be able to do this and pray together. Are you with me, somebody? Please use the amplified, guys. Let's go to the book of Job. Job chapter 6. Job chapter 1. So Job chapter 1, verse 6 to 12. Job chapter 1, verse 6 to 12. Job chapter 1, verse 6 to 12. If you use the amplified, it's amazing what it says. But I'll read it for you very quickly. There was a day when the sons of God, the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan, the adversary... The accuser. How many know the word accuse is legal? There's nothing religious about the word. That's why they, in, the, in the courtroom they say, who is the accused? The word accusation is a book of, is a word of law. You learn this in law school. I, now, by the way, I can't even put you on trial unless I accuse you. Then it's up to the court now to find out whether the accusation is valid or not. But we're going to trial because an accusation has been made. Talk to me. Some of you, you don't even know that you have been here. Talk to me, somebody. Amen. You have been trying to buy a house. Every time you try to buy a house, it slips out of your hand. Why? Because you haven't answered the accusation the devil is making in the court of heaven about the altars your ancestors built that nobody has ever taken responsibility for. So every time you try to buy, God says, no. Come on, somebody. Oh, God have mercy. Talk to me, somebody. Watch this now. The accuser also came among them. Verse 7. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come from? Which blew my mind. Before I understood the code of heaven, Job was very, this was the most difficult passage in the Bible. Because I said, Lord, I don't get it. Because the Bible says, the Bible says, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning. We know Satan was cast out of heaven with one third of the angels. And yet, what is he doing in heaven again? Talk to me, somebody. So for a long time. But when the Lord began to show me the code of heaven, I said, Francis, this has been a difficult thing for you, but it's not difficult. Is that Satan and one third of the angels were cast out of heaven. Satan has been, but, but however, Satan has been, given, has been given a limited visa to access only one department of heaven, the court of heaven. Because Francis, think about it. How can you have a trial unless the prosecutor's table is seated? He said, while men on earth are breaking the word, crimes are being committed. So Satan has legal right to bring to the, my court where men are breaking because Satan, un, unlike what you think, Satan cannot just attack a human being without having legal standing to do that. You must rechange your spiritual warfare teaching. Satan can only come. And, and by the way, this we're talking about Job, an Old Testament saint, without, before the blood of Christ was even shed. Even a man without the blood of Jesus, the enemy could not attack him until he made his case before the judge. That's what the story is telling you. He had to get permission to even go off the job. You think he can attack you? Blood washed, Holy Ghost baptized, he can attack you just because he wants to? No, he must investigate your bloodline or your life and find something that gives him legal right. Then he runs. I found an iniquity. I found a behavior that has never been repented from. That's not under the blood. Shh. Look at this. So he be they begin to talk very quickly. He said, where have you come from? Then he said, Satan answered the Lord. From going round on the earth and from walking out on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered and reflected on my servant Job? For there is none like him on the earth, 
a blameless and upright man. One who fears God with the reverence and abstains from and turns away from evil because he honors God. Is that right? Verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord. Watch this now. He brings an accusation. Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge of protection around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and conferred prosperity and happiness upon him. And his possessions have, have, it in, have increased in, in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch, destroy all that he has. And he'll surely curse you to your face. Verse 12. Then the Lord said to Satan. Where is God saying to Satan? In a courtroom. He's in court. And why was he in court? Because he brought cases against the children of Mern. But while he's in court presenting cases from Ghana, from Zimbabwe, from Zambia, God brings up Job. And then Satan says, oh, so you mean Job is on the table? <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to get to this man. Job is on the table. So they began to talk about Job. And then verse 12, then the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your what? Power. Who gave him the right to go? The Lord, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put your hand on the man himself. So Satan departed from the presence of the what? The Lord. Look at, we end with this tonight. Revelation 12. Many of you have read this. But never seen it in the context of the court of heaven. And then we're going to take, take the last 15 minutes. We're going to go in the court of heaven and activate the revelation. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 to 11. Are you with me? Then I heard a loud voice in heaven. Where is, it? Where is this loud voice? It's in heaven. It's not on earth. So this activity is taking place in where? In heaven. The, the location has been taught to us. Saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom, dominion reign of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Why? For the accuser of our believing brothers and sisters has been thrown down at last. He, watch, watch this, watch, no, look at the work of the devil. He, Satan, he who accuses them and keeps bringing charges, meaning Satan's, Satan's favorite place to attack God's children is not on the streets, it's in the court of heaven. And yet the church in Africa knows how to go to the battlefield, they don't know how to go to the court of heaven. We've destroyed the order. Have you noticed governments don't go to war until they actually get a, a legal framework for the war? Why? Because then, why? You need a legal framework for the war. Because if you, go, if, you go, if you go to a war and you kill somebody and there's no legal framework, you can be criminalized. Are you getting what I'm saying? So what happens is that you get a legal... The, are you getting what I'm saying? Satan loves going, he loves going to the court of heaven because he knows most of God's children are ignorant about how to operate in this dimension. So even when they're in trial, they're on trial by the devil, they can't even sense it. Even when the Holy Spirit is telling them, telling them, is, is, is giving them a word of knowledge, they don't know how to apply it because they don't, they don't, know, they don't know the context. Well, today it changes for you. Amen? It says... He, he accuses them and keeps bringing charges of sinful behavior against them before our God day and night. And look at verse 11. And they overcame him and conquered him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. For they did not love their life and renounce their faith even when faced with death. I want everybody to stand up. Come on, pray in tongues a little bit. Shakaraba.
Somebody on the keyboard, play something instrumental as we come before the court of heaven right now.